Great. Story, as I said, is powerful. And I want to look at a couple of stories today and just um, share some thoughts around those. Uh, as I said, it's been a um, significant season in, in, uh, in my, my journey over these last little while, and I want to touch on some of those as well. But I want to start with this scripture. It's found in Psalm 37, 23, verse 24. It says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they'll never fall, for the Lord holds them by, by, by the hand. All of us at one stage or another will walk through seasons of transition in our lives. In fact, some of you in here today may be navigating some transitions of your, of your own. And, and when I say transitions, I mean it's this, this season or this moment from moving from one season of life to another. It's almost like the, the season between the seasons, if you, if you like. And that's why we call them transitions. It could be a change in work, um, circumstance, change in relationships, um, you, where you physically live, your health, family situations, whatever it might be. Transitions can take all forms. And I've called today's message Divine Transitions. Because as I've started to think about this and look at it, I've realized that the transitions that we face in life are truly divine and God uses them and God orchestrates them. There's a couple of stories in the Old Testament and we're talking about story. And again, as I started to look into it, I realized there were some common themes that started to come into play. And you only have to look at, say, maybe the story of, of Rebecca. And here's Rebecca who thought she was going to the well to, to get some water. And that moment absolutely trans, 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 transformed her life where she went on to meet her husband and then she um, became part of the lineage of Jesus. We look at uh, Elisha who was, you know, he thought he was simply just out there plowing his field. But then Elijah comes and, and puts his cloak on him and, and anoints him as God's holy man that, uh, you know, and you know, would be the successor to Elijah. And then we've got David. He thought he was delivering food to his brothers. But God had other plans for his life and that he would be the one who would bring down the giant and, uh, advance, and through that advance his kinship. Well, there's Moses who was simply tending his father's sheep when God revealed himself through the burning bush because he had a plan for his life to be the redeemer of Israel out of slavery from Egypt. And then finally, there's Joseph. Again, who thought he was just going to check on his brothers who were looking after his family's sheep. But God had a plan for him that he would become a, a mighty leader. Now, not all transitions are, are quite as dramatic and, and, and quite as sudden and often transitions happen over, over a long period of time. But it's sometimes in hindsight, you can look back and you can see there was a, this, this one moment when that transition started to happen. I'd like to take a, a brief look at Joseph for a moment. And there's no question he had a series of very dramatic transitions in his life or seasons in his life. And I think sometimes we can fall into the trap of, of looking for the quick fix or the quick get out of a season that we find ourselves in. But sometimes the journey takes a very long time. And if you look at the life of Joseph, for him, it was this series of transitions or seasons that literally took a lifetime. I love how Craig Grishel puts it. He says, sometimes God does something in you before he does something for you. Sometimes God does something in you before he does something through you. 
And I've broken up the story of Joseph into four parts that I could see. The pit, the palace, the prison, and parliament. Now, we may not find ourselves in the pit. We may not find ourselves in, in a palace or prison or even in the parliament. But I'm hoping that today that we might be able to find some, I guess, uh, you know, we might be able to relate to one of these parts of Joseph's story. I'm not sure if you're familiar with ChatGPT. Uh, it's uh, this whole thing of AI and I actually love it. It could actually do my message for me, to be honest, if I wanted it to. But I, um, I've only taken a little part of it. So I put it into ChatGPT, Chat or I use Unbarred, which is Google's version of it, and I said, give me the elevator pitch of Joseph's story. And this is what it said. Born of Jacob in Israel, sold into slavery by his brothers, taken to Egypt to become a slave of Potiphar, imprisoned and being falsely accused of rape, reveals his ability to interpret dreams and becomes a trusted advisor to Pharaoh, saves Egypt of famine and reunites, his brother, reunites, reunites with his brothers and forgives them and dies peacefully at an old age. That's ChatGPT's version of Joseph's story, just in case you weren't aware of the story of Joseph because I don't have a whole lot of time to go into it today. But let's have a look at each one of those seasons that Joseph found himself in. Uh, the first one being the pit. You see, Joseph was a favourite son. Uh, of, was a favourite son. His brothers actually despised him for that. So as a result, they plotted to kill him and they threw him in the pit. As I think around this idea of a pit, it's this place that is lonely. It's dark. It's empty. It's filled with despair. It's, it's those difficult moments in our lives and, and even feel hopeless. But I want to encourage you that when we maybe find ourselves in a pit, and, and it will happen, there'll be moments in our lives where we'll find ourselves in you know, that metaphorical pit, is to cling to hope. Cling to hope that no matter how dark it gets or how deep that hole feels, there is always hope. Corrie ten Boom says this, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I love the verse in Psalm 19, and if you've been at Good Life for a while, does anyone remember the memory verse cards that we did um, back in the day? We had this big ring, one for every single week, and the very first one um, which has been etched in my memory was Psalm 19. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never abandoned those who search for you. When we're in the pit, we can cling to scriptures like that and we cling to hope. And what about the palace? So Joseph then went on out of the pit. His brothers decided uh, that they'd sell him into slavery instead. And and Joseph was purchased by Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. And the Lord was truly with Joseph in that season when he went into the palace. He succeeded in everything that he did as he served the household. And what I, when I think of this idea of the palace, it starts to conjure up the image and words like privilege, provision, success, flourish, flourishing. And this was this season that Joseph found himself in the palace. But I want to encourage you that when we find ourselves in these palace seasons, the thing that we need to cling to is integrity. We need to cling to integrity because it wasn't long before that Joseph's integrity was put in question by Potiphar's wife. You see, she caught, Joseph caught her eye and and she made her intentions very clear of 
you know, what, what she wanted her relationship with Joseph to be. And Joseph says this in, in uh, chapter 39 of Genesis. But Joseph refused her propositions. And he said, look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire house, household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. What's integrity? It's doing what you say you will do and living out the values and principles that are important to you, important to God. When Joseph found himself in the palace, he walked in integrity. For us, when we find ourselves in those seasons where things are great and there's provision and blessing, we need to walk in integrity and we need to cling to it. But then things took a step back again for Joseph and he finds himself in the prison after being accused of raping Potiphar's wife. So what does the prison represent? It speaks to, it's pretty similar to the pit, right? It talks about this idea of being confined, um, being restricted, condemned, that there's no way out, that we're being punished for something and sometimes even not at our own doing and we're isolated. So when we find ourselves in, again, the prisons, just like the pit, the thing we need to cling to is the faithfulness of God. Joseph knew that he had a God who loved him and had a plan for his life. And even in the, pal- sorry, even in the prison, he clung to that faithfulness of God. I love the verse in Romans, where Romans 8, 28. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for good, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's a hard thing to hold to when you're in a place not of your own doing, when you're in a prison, when, you, when you, you're bound up and you've got nowhere to go. And then the final one is the parliament. Joseph was remembered in prison because he started uh, interpreting dreams of some of his inmates. And those dreams came true. And after many years, those, uh, Pharaoh was informed about this man who could interpret dreams and Pharaoh wanted to speak to him. And so he was released from prison and, and found himself... Uh, you know, before Pharaoh. This idea of parliament, it talks to this idea of influence and authority and favour and responsibility. And again, Joseph, he rose to being the second most powerful man in the land of Egypt at the time. And God used him incredibly in, in that season. And I think for me, as I think around this idea of parliament, the thing we need to cling to, the thing we cling to in parliament is humility, to walk in humility. See, one of the things I loved about the story of Joseph as I read it, no matter where he found himself, whether it was in the pit or prison or the palace, was he served. And one of the great signs of being um, a, a servant, is that you, of being humble, is that you serve. No matter where you are, no matter what the task. Joseph then goes on to forgive his brothers. And uh, again, that is just his incredible sign of humility. Joseph knew that the transition seasons of his life were divine. That God was with him in the pit, in the palace, in the prison and in parliament. And that God would go on to accomplish the good work in his life that he had planned for him to do. I want to share just a little bit of the story of my journey. And I, I haven't shared this publicly in a, this kind of setting um, before. Some of you may have seen a post I did on, on socials this week. 
Uh, it's been a pretty big year in, in Ruth and my life and my family's life, extended family's life, uh, as we're probably navigating one of the biggest transitions of our life that, that we ever have. And I tell you this because I want to encourage you with some thoughts at the end of it, of what I've learned through that. Excuse my voice, I've been a bit crook this week. So after 30 years of being part of a family business, Friday last week, um, saw the end of that and that chapter of, um, you know, of our lives come to an end. I've had the privilege of working with some of the most amazing people over those past 30 years and have led it for nearly half of that time. Uh, it's a business my mum and dad started. Uh, we, we ran mobile phone stores for Optus across the country and, uh, and yeah, it, it came to an end and I don't think I ever thought that that part of our lives would come to an end, but it has. And there is a sense of peace in that. Now, I'll probably just give you a little bit of context that this wasn't just a business for us. This was a, a group of like-hearted men and women who came, came together from across the country with a vision and a plan to see God's kingdom advance in the context of our businesses, uh, wherever they may have been in the country. And as I said, these, these people who I've worked with for the last 30 years uh, are like family to us. I have some people on my, my team who have been with me for 20, more than 25 years. Um, and probably some of the hardest things that I had to do was, it was make them redundant from, the, from their jobs. Because um, they have families. There are literally hundreds of people across the country who th- this decision impacted. But for, for me personally, as I look back on the journey of what this has been, um, there came a point after, as I said, this 30 years where it just didn't feel like it fit anymore. Uh, that my heart had, had shifted. And the best way that I can probably explain it was almost like the grace had lifted from it. And I think God graces us for different seasons of our lives where he gives you all that you need to be able to walk in that and it if I look back now, I can almost see a moment where it felt like that grace had lifted from, from that season to, to, I guess, encourage us and, and cause us to walk into this new season. Don't get me wrong, there were moments where we, we prayed and, and heartfelt prayers that the situation would change and it, it wouldn't play out like that. But God has his plan and God has his purpose and I'm comfortable with that. This has been a long process. It's probably been just over 12 months of navigating this and working through it uh, and to, to make that decision. And we, we went public with it again, probably about six months ago at the start of this year. But prior to that, it was just a very small group of people who we journeyed with and discussed and, and worked through what that was going to look like. And uh, I can testify today that God has been incredibly faithful and along the way, he gave some amazing encouragements and, and, and words and, and examples and even sitting in, in these seats during that time on our Sunday gatherings to, to know that he's in control and, and he has um, a plan and purpose through that. And as I said, there is a, a real sense of peace that he is in it, as hard as it may be. So all that to say, we are smack bang in our own divine transition. And God has been sort of teaching me a, a, a lot through that. 
And what I want to do is just a way to kind of bring this to a bit of a head and, and wrap it up. We've looked at the, the story of Joseph and, and some of the transitions he went in and the, the learnings from him and the way he navigated that, the way he, he walked through that. To want to just share, and I'm going to go through them really super quick, just some of the things I've learned. And I'm not saying this is, hey guys, this is how you walk through trans- those divine transitions in your lives. But there's some of the things that I've learned and some of the things that helped me uh, navigate through that. So there's, there's nine of them. And as I said, I'm going to go pretty quick. But number one, at the absolute foundation, if we're walking through these divine transitions and seasons in our lives, we have to hold to the fact and know that God is good. Undeniably, that is the foundation, that God is good. And hold fast to this truth, knowing that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. Um, Mike mentioned that we went to John LeClaire's um, memorial yesterday. One of the things I think that shone through with me in, in that memorial service, that John was a man who knew without a doubt that God was good. And I think it was Brendan who shared that when um, John and Jenny got the news of um, the MND uh, diagnosis, I think the doctor commented, I've never seen anyone respond with such peace about that. And to me, that speaks to someone who knows that God is good, that God is good. Number two, you won't always feel equipped. When you're walking through a a transition, you're often walking through ground that you've never walked before. So it's okay to not feel equipped for what you're walking through. Because some things are just simply God's to handle. Some things are for him to handle, and we may not feel equipped in that. Number three, it's okay to not know the path ahead. And that's kind of where I'm at kind of where we've been at um, for the last 12 months, not having a real clear understanding around what the future may hold. You see, the, the business we run was always built on a business for purpose. There's a whole lot of things that we do out of the business um, that funds ministry and other endeavours that we have that are, are not income generating. And that's where uh, we don't necessarily have all the answers to that. But if God is good, I know that he will accomplish his plans despite what we might be walking through. Number three, four, number four, sorry. Walk in surrender. Give everything you have into his hands. Each day, give it to him and let your prayer be, Father, let your will be done. Mike talks around um, each day, part of his daily ritual is to do the Lord's Prayer. It's something I've adopted also. It is a great grounder of surrendering all that we are and all that we have into his hands. Walk in surrender. Erwin McManus is one of the authors that I've been reading during this time and he's got a book called The Last Arrow. And in it he makes this statement. He says, is your past an anchor or an altar? Is your past an anchor or an altar? I want more than anything that my past is not an anchor, something that's holding me back, something that's restricting me from moving forward. I want the the story and the the life that's been to be an altar, a place where I come and offer it to him and allow him to use it for the future. What do we put on the altar? We put all those things that are good, the best of what we have, and we sacrifice and we give it to him and say, Lord, use it. Let our past be altars to him and lay it down. Number five, keep serving. Joseph served, and I touched on this before, even when he was in prison. And the Lord was with him. 
When you're walking through these divine transitions, it's not a time to fully retreat. Yes, there'll be a time of rest and a time of reflection, but I would encourage you just to keep serving, to lean into those seasons, to be generous, to serve faithfully, to love deeply and continue to dream maybe like you've never dreamed before. They're the kinds of things that help navigate the seasons of transition that we might find ourselves in. Number six, the counsel of few, not many. There will be a whole lot of well-meaning people who have opinions on what you should do with your life. And that's okay. But what you need in your corner is a bunch of just a few people who are your counsel. And I've been, I've been so blessed to have some of those few in my corner who I can go and talk to and process this journey that we've been on. There'll be lots of voices. Now, I say that, that it needs to be fewer, not many, but also be open to that um, sometimes some of the things that help journey into the next part of your life can come from left field. They can come from places not expected and someone might have something they need, can say and encourage you. There was someone in particular who, who uh, you know, Basically, you had um, a dream in the middle of the night as I was you know, walking through this and they felt to share it with me. And I cannot express how encouraging that journey, that has been. There were sort of three different points that they felt to share with me in that journey. And time and time again, it was something I could go back to. So I encourage you when you're walking through these seasons of transitions, uh, find the counsel of a few, not many. Three to go. Number seven, make space. It is imperative that as you navigate transitions in your life that you make space, that you find time to pray, time to read, time to listen, time to just sit and reflect uh, in that. And one of the, I guess some of the, one of the thing, couple of things that I've done in that is started to, to broaden my scope of maybe some of the things I read, but also some of the things that I listen to, podcasts and messages from other people. Um, there's, there's a guy by the name of Stephen Furtick. He's a preacher. He's got a big church in America. He, he, if I was to say, um, he's probably not my style of preacher, to be honest. Uh, he's pretty full on. But I cannot, I cannot doubt for a moment how much his messages have encouraged the journey that I've been on. Time and time again, they were timely and just the right word at the right moment to help me navigate it. So make space to listen, to pray, to read. And to worship is probably the other one that I'd put in there as well. Number eight, guard your heart. Be aware of the attacks of the enemy. And in the scripture it says, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart um, as though it is one of the most precious things your heart, you have. Because the enemy would want to come and discourage you. He'll want to point out your weaknesses and the things you're not good at um, to try and discourage you in this process. But I would also say you need to protect your strengths as well because your strengths are one of those things that are going to carry you into this next season and the enemy would love nothing more than to nullify those strengths that you have in your life. So as you navigate seasons, guard your heart, guard your weaknesses and protect your strengths. And finally, God will make a way. God isn't just preparing you. He's also making a way before you. He's preparing the people the places, the circumstances, and the situations and where you're going. He is so intentional, intentional and strategic. And one of the pictures this person had for me was uh, in the journey that we were walking was around this idea of a, they could see this massive jigsaw puzzle in front of me. And I just the, the pieces just wouldn't fit. And 
when they shared with me with that with me, that was exactly how I was feeling. I just couldn't see how you wind up a company after 30 years and you put all the little bits and pieces together that need to happen and big pieces together. And then in this dream, all of a sudden, I just cried out to God and the pieces just started to take shape and would fit. And this has been such an encouragement on the journey and I hope it's something that you can cling to, even in the midst of uncertainty, even in the midst of not knowing exactly what this transition looks like. God, the the orchestrator, will make the pieces fit. He'll pull it together and I can testify today that that is what he has done in our circumstances. And one final one on that, that God will make a way, but it may not be in the time that you want it to. So often we want the quick fix. We want this, this thing to happen all of a sudden. And as we read the story of Joseph, it was a lifelong journey of him coming to the place where God would use him. We want things to happen now. But often it's that refining work that God is doing in our lives that takes time. And it takes time. Divine transitions are not easy. And it's one thing to know the goodness of God retrospectively, to look back. And I can say that now. I can look back and I can see, and I'm not through it yet, right? But I can look back and see God's goodness in it. Where the the faith and the trust comes in is in the moment to continue to trust him when it doesn't make sense. It's easy at the end, but in the moment we have to walk in trust and faith. I'm going to ask the music team to come up as as I bring this to an end. There's another person who I've been following on social media and his name's Craig Cooney and someone shared one of his posts with me. He has a prophetic ministry. And again, he's probably another one of those ones where his writings have been really profound in in just helping me navigate this season of transition. And he says this, Often what may seem like a cutting back, a stepping back, is actually a clarifying of the call. Focus on what's being birthed, not what's being removed. And I encourage you in that. So often we look at what is being stripped away, but instead it's what God is doing in us and preparing us for the future that he has. And he goes on to say, in transitions, you let go of the old so you can take hold of the new. It's the middle part, the messy middle, that's the hardest. When your hands are empty, especially if it takes a while for the new to emerge, that's where your trust is tested. You must cling to the truth that if God has moved you, He has something better for you. If God has moved you from where you are, we have to believe and trust that he has something better for us as we move forward. Fundamentally, I think each of us, deep down in our hearts, has this desire for our lives to count for something. We want to make an impact. We want to be part of God's kingdom work on earth. And we want our lives to count. But there is a cost to that. And I want to finish with, with one final question that I want you maybe to reflect on and I don't even want you to answer it straight away, but start to consider. And it's this. Are you willing to allow God to position you however and wherever he wants to so he can establish his plan and purpose for your life? Are we willing to allow God to position us however and wherever he wants, so he can establish his plan and purpose for our lives. And that's the cost. The cost of absolute reckless abandonment to the cause of his kingdom and his, his story on earth. We get to be a part of that. 
But often we have to walk through these divine transitions along the way and they are not always easy. But rest assured, that's that deep work that he's doing in our hearts and his lives and his lives, our lives, sorry. And I'd love to finish with this verse before we sing. And it's a bit of a life verse and he's really key in the journey through the business. And it's Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, a well-known one to most of us. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. We're not excluded. It's not, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy and it's not going to be simple and everything's going to be right in the world, but he will direct our paths and get us to where he wants us to be. Thanks, guys.